What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. Feeling much better today. Was a little bit grumpy yesterday on the uh, Tales from Tech Support video. I tried not to show it, but, yeah, you know. Like my sarcasm, uh, sometimes my other moods tend to show on the surface, too, so sorry about that. Did some yard work today, got some productive things done, and feel pretty decent, so, uh, eh, let's read some stories. Can't expense my bike rides home? Okay, then I'll take very expensive Ubers instead. I've recently started a new job, and one of the perks is that if you work late, you can have a free dinner and then take an Uber back home. However, I much prefer renting an electric bike back home. You know the ones on the sidewalk. It's faster, much better for the environment, fun, and a great way to decompress after a long day of work. After a month of that, I sent my expense report, but they refused to pay back the bike ride saying I need to use Uber. This annoyed me as if it was more than 100 pounds, so I decided to use an Uber for the following month, making sure to choose exec each time. Next month, my late night ride expenses increased by almost fivefold. Needless to say, they strongly encouraged me to get back on the bike and offered to buy me a subscription if available. Unfortunately, it's not. Yeah, sometimes you just got to show the bean counters the reality of what they're asking you or telling you to do. I get what they were saying. They were given a guideline to use. And if you go outside that guideline, there's really no precedence for it. So basically, you're setting a new precedence and you kind of need to show them how it actually benefits them. They don't care how it benefits you. So I see those scooters all the time around here and uh, they're all right. I mean, I got to say, they tend to litter the sidewalks up. Uh, people don't take very good care of them. And this company is a little bit slow with picking them up to take them back to recharge and placing them around town. But uh, overall, I think they're a great idea. Doesn't mean I'm going to get my fat ass on one of them, though. I'll tell you that. College or Mickey D's? An easy choice. Not sure if this is considered malicious, but I was compliant. I worked at Mickey D's for a couple years. I actually enjoyed the job. Easy job, fun crew. I was promoted to crew trainer. A step below management, a bit of responsibility, and a tiny raise and got to know the new crew as they were hired. It was fun. After a bit, I decided to take a few college classes, so I talked to the management about switching from closing to opening. Not a problem. They wanted me to know all aspects of the store as they were getting ready to promote me to management. I worked opening for a couple weeks, and the owners needed our good managers at a failing location, but unfortunately that meant sending those managers to our location. Within a couple of days, the atmosphere changed, and it was no longer a fun job. Three weeks in, the management new management, started scheduling me closing shifts. So I sat down and talked with the new GM and explained I'm in college and need to be on breakfast and had been transferred there. She said, you're a crew trainer. You'll work the shifts I schedule you. And I said, sorry, but prior management changed me to mornings. You were hired for closing. You'll work closing. I told her again I was in college and was not available. She said, you make a choice right now, your job or college. Ha! I smiled, walked to the register, punched out, handed her my name tag, and walked out with her screaming at me that I can't do that because I'm a crew trainer. Sorry, lady. A part-time job at Mickey D's under bad management or college? Bye-bye. Within six months, all the original crew had quit and the place went to pieces. If it wasn't for certain corporate policies, I wouldn't mind working at a McDonald's or some other fast food place for that matter. Uh, the opportunities really are decent if you stick with it. Uh, the thing that really makes it tough on people that are worth a damn is that corporately speaking, 
McDonald's and a lot of other franchises and things like that, they've never figured out how to get rid of the deadwood. You know, either people who are uninitiated and won't do the job, uh, just kind of lounge around all day and lollygag. And even management, uh, which is worse. I mean, a bad employee is one thing. I mean, a bad regular crew member is one thing, but bad management really just kind of drags the whole team down and the restaurant after that. But if there was some way to recognize who was screwing things up, stealing stuff, making life difficult, chasing away crew members, whatever, and they actually stuck with it and followed through on it, eh, then you'd have something to work with. Their pay has gone up considerably over the years, and it's really not bad. And the chance for advancement is decent if you can stick with it. But that's just my two cents. My last two cents. Now you get to be HOA president. Two-parent malicious compliance. About 25 years ago, my parents built their dream house. Although the house is now in the middle of a large metroplex, when they built it, it was in the fringes of the countryside with rapid development over two decades. When they bought the lot, they were the first to purchase from the developer. The developer sold to three original neighbors, my parents plus two others, all at the end of the cul-de-sac in a row. The other streets in this plat became a large subdivision with a fancy name that would come to bear a lot of prestige. But that meant being part of an HOA. They didn't want that. The developer wouldn't sell them the land without an HOA. If you aren't part of the community, you'll need to form your own HOA and get it approved. So my dad, with a beatific grin, beautiful grin, I don't know, said he would be the HOA president of our single suburban street. He and the two neighbors drafted the bylaws of their own HOA in strict accordance with the planned neighborhood. But they added a special provision that the president of the HOA could name a successor, instead of having the street vote on one. Absent a majority rejection, the successor would be the president, especially trying to avoid terms and campaigning, while still offering folks a way to dispute the HOA president important for later. So in the winter of 1994, my father very seriously took the thick black CD binder full of laminated and hole-punched instructions and pages on how to be a good HOA president and put that binder in the very back of a cabinet and forgot about it for the next 16 years. The homeowners of our street were not asked to pay an annual fee. The HOA didn't police number of cars, color of front doors, or any other ridiculous standards HOAs usually enforce. As it was a quiet cul-de-sac, no one did anything more egregious than the occasional reckless teenager. Then a new family built the house across from us. It consisted of two children, a husband, and a S-H-A-M. Oh, stay-at-home mom. Jeez. We'll call her Gladys. Kravitz for the bewitched fans. Now, Gladys was a real busybody. She would stand at the front windows of her house to watch slash patrol which cars were using the cul-de-sac to turn around when houses down the street held events and parties and were using the front of her house to park for literally a night and sending noise complaints to the police about barking dogs. Her other neighbor's kids, there were six in a blended family, the other neighbor's cars, they were collectors, not even repairing cars, and other ridiculously petty things. She didn't have a job, so safety patrol became her whole identity. She would always hurry over to gossip whenever my mom was taking out the trash cans to the curb. Sadly, my dad contracted a neuromuscular disease in 2005. It got bad quickly and he was confined to a wheelchair. I learned to drive from my hardship license in a handicap van, and we had more than the usual number of cars due to round-the-clock caregivers in the later years. Gladys decided it was time to offer help to my poor mother who was slaving absurd hours just to keep creditors at bay. Gladys very sweetly approached, 
expressed her sympathies for our struggles, pointed out the number of cars in our driveway, and generously, so generously, offered to take over the president of the HOA duties if my father would name her successor. After being hounded the sixth or seventh time, and Gladys hinting that if my mom was struggling so much, maybe she could send my dad to hospice and move houses to something more suited. In fact, Gladys' best friend was looking for a house and would love to live across the street and buy our house. My mom effing snapped. She basically told Gladys to stop asking and that her husband was dying, and it was incredibly insensitive and rude to offer to kick us out of the neighborhood and take over just because she wanted clout to annoy the neighbors about letting kids play basketball after 6pm. Gladys responded nastily that my dad would have to name a successor because when he died, soon, the HOA presidency would revert back for election. Okay then Gladys, you're absolutely right. My dad should name someone the HOA president as his successor after his 16 year reign. Malicious compliance activated. After my dad died, my mom found out she was named as the next HOA president in my dad's will. Dad never said anything about it while he was alive, but his humor was always understated. Gladys was apoplectic. She tried to overturn the successor claim and run against my mom, but nobody else on the street contested the choice. No one. All new neighbors after 20 years even knew we had a special single street HOA, and for another nine years my mom did absolutely nothing as HOA president. My mom had to sell the home in 2019 very unwillingly, as it was the house my parents built together. But with the development of the city, property taxes had risen too high and priced her out. I took a week off work to fly out and help her pack, and while packing up the house, we found my dad's OG 1994 HOA binder, bylaws and all. And of course, mom had to name an HOA successor. So this time she did comply. The malicious part was more against everyone else. Very ceremoniously, well, not, my mom finally named Gladys the president of the HOA and gave her the binder, which apparently has long since been digitized and something Gladys has been reading for fun in preparation for this moment. Apparently Gladys went rabid with the power, as her kids had gone off to college, and promptly charged everyone on the street $100 a month towards neighborhood incidentals, supposedly for mowing the strip, that people just mowed themselves, and a highly encouraged neighborhood barbecue one Saturday a month to address the neighborhood concerns. She also outlawed basketball hoops in driveways, dictated no cars could be parked on the street or in driveways, but only in garages, things like landscaping and holiday core approval, and other inane absurd power trips. My mom kept her next door app open and watched Gladys go down in flames. Three separate households moved and dropped long, hate-filled call-out posts about Gladys making their lives a misery until they couldn't stand it anymore. That's three of twelve houses, by the way. Yeah, Gladys wrecked a single street HOA with a quarter loss. Gladys got everything she wanted. My dad to name an HOA successor. My mom to name an HOA successor. For us to move away, and for her to finally be HOA president. And now everyone absolutely hates her, and no one will pay her $100 or go to her barbecues. And before my mom finally deleted the street from her next door app, it seems that the rest of the street had voted to hold an election for a new HOA president. Her tenure lasted six months. Gladys doesn't understand why people talk so fondly about my parents as the most ideal HOA presidents, since they never did a thing. My mom is two years into her new home and doesn't miss the neighborhood anymore at all. I don't mind nosy neighbors. Really, I don't. I'm nosy. In my head, I mean, I don't usually gossip, maybe a little bit with my internal family here at the house, but I don't usually go around the street gossiping about other neighbors. 
Uh, it's just not something that interests me. And if it ever gets out, then all of a sudden it turns into this big thing. I don't know. It's just, no, I don't want to deal with that anyway, but I like being nosy and I like knowing what's going on and it's served me well a couple times. Let's just say that. But at the same time, I'm not looking to use it against people for the most part. The neighbor has an extra car in their driveway. I don't care. Oh, by the way, we don't have an HOA here. I'm in an old established neighborhood. It's not a development. I will never live where there's an HOA. I'd sooner grab up a refrigerator box and head for San Francisco and set up shop there. They got a boat parked out front, a camper. Who cares? I don't care. Their grass is a little too long. I don't care. There's a little bit of mildew on our house because it needs to be pressure washed again. I don't care. Parties? Eh, as long as it's not all the time and it's not super, super late, like all night. Um, who cares? Everybody's got to live their life, man. We can't all be up each other's butts just trying to dictate how we live our lives. So, yeah, good for you guys. Won't deliver my full order? Have it your way. So I used to live in the Azores and work as an adventure guide. In my work, we use action cameras to capture our guests in the moment. The Azores Island is the adventure's mecca in its raw nature. Waterfalls, etc. And it would be difficult and even dangerous to take pictures and videos while dangling on a rope from a 30 meter high waterfall during canyoning, for example. It also allows the guests to enjoy the activities 100%. Anyways, it was Black Friday and I found a great deal on a kit for water sports that included a case, hand straps, a floating handle, case, etc. from the same manufacturer of the action camera. So I know it's quality stuff. Huh, must be GoPro. Here's the problem. Azores is a small island in the mid to North Atlantic Ocean, so packages that get sent to this island sometimes take a month or more to deliver, and it doesn't help that the local post carrier is terrible to deal with. By the time he gets all the way out to here, he's pretty well liquored up and pissed off. And everything is handled manually, so things take time. So a month goes by, and I finally get a letter in the box saying I have a parcel waiting at the postal office. I grab my bike and make my way down to collect it. I get home and notice that half the stuff I ordered is missing for some reason. I jump on the customer support and ask why they haven't delivered everything. They explain that there was a mistake, so I said that it was no worries, he could just send me the missing items and we'll call it a day. He said that this was a kit and that he couldn't just send me the items separately for some reason. So I said okay, then just refund me for the missing items then. He then tells me that the items are worth more separately so he can't refund for the missing items. He then goes on to explain that in order for him to refund me, I would have to return the package that I already received and that way I could just reorder it again. However, I pointed out that now the kit sells for 25% more than what I paid for it. So how did he plan to solve that? He replies and says that he can't give me a coupon, but the best he could do was to give me a 10 euro credit. But this would still mean that I had to pay more for the same kit. At this point, I was fuming and frustrated, so I just told him to email me a return label and I'll tell him how terrible this experience had been. I hung up the phone and packaged up everything again printed the label, and went back to the postal office to send it away. Cue malicious compliance. Because I really needed these items, I thought I might as well reorder it. Just like the guy on customer support said, even if it cost a bit more this time. But this time I decided I would gamble and order it from Amazon instead. You see, fellow Redditors, on my way home from the postal office, I remembered that I had previously ordered other stuff from Amazon a few months prior, and I remembered that I was able to collect a full refund because they couldn't deliver on the set date. Due to me living on a remote island and the local postal service took forever to deliver. I jump on Amazon, find out that the company has an Amazon store. I put all the items I needed and a little extra stuff that I wanted for my camera. And I press order. And just as I thought, expected delivery two weeks from now. 
there is literally no way that they can deliver in that time. Three weeks goes by and I hop on Amazon to watch the status of my order. And wouldn't you know, a glorious little button has appeared saying that I'm eligible for a refund as the package seems to have gone missing. Fast forward a week later, I get a knock on my door. It's the delivery man from the postal service and a box with a smile in his hand. I thank him, close the door, and rip the parcel open. Everything's there. I received a full refund of 200 euro, and a week later I got a full refund for the first delivery that I sent back, plus a credit of 10 euro to use on their website. So all in all, they lost almost 350 euro and camera gear worth around 200 euro instead of refunding me the difference or sending me the missing items. Thanks, I guess. Normally I'd feel kind of bad for the retailer, um, but it's their policy. You know, not the norm, not the first retailer or the Amazon retailer. I mean, they set the policy, you abided by the guidelines and uh, got free stuff. And that other company really lost out. I'm not saying I would give extra, although I probably would at least give some kind of extra for the inconvenience. Uh, but, you know, at least give what the guys owed, either the stuff or the full credit or something. Anyway, again, common sense. Ooh. We are having dinner as a family. This story takes place in the late 90s when I was a child. I'm not from an English-speaking country, but my grandparents used to travel a lot back then. They brought us a digital camera from Japan some years before they were available at electronic shops, and they also brought me several video games that were just released in the U.S. One day, they brought me a copy of Pokemon Blue, but I had a very hard time getting to understand the game since I couldn't read English so well. I had a friend who also was trying to make sense of the game, so we would call each other every few minutes whenever we discovered something new. Being during the 90s, I had to dial my friend's family landline, and I would have to ask to speak to my friend whenever their parents would pick up the phone instead of him. My parents were already tired of having the phone ring every few minutes, and then yell at me to pick up the phone since every time the phone rang, it was my friend. One night we were having dinner when the phone rang again. My parents were visibly annoyed at the constant interruption of peace and my mom told me in a very serious tone that I should go pick up the phone and tell my friend that I can't speak right now since we're having dinner as a family and that I would call back later. Begrudgingly and feeling wronged, I stood up to go pick up the phone in the hallway. Turns out that the one that was calling was not my friend but my grandma that was traveling in a distant continent during ungodly hours so that she could speak to my mom. That's when I saw my chance for malicious compliance and took it. I loudly said, so that my mom could hear me in the dining room, Hi, Grandma. Yes, my mom's here, but she can't pick up the phone right now since we're having dinner as a family. I went back to the dinner table to see my mom red with anger, while my dad was trying really hard not to laugh. That was perfect. You can't... I mean, okay, I shouldn't say. I started to say that you, you can't give one set of rules to kids and another set to the adults, but that's not true, and we all know it. I have certain things that, you know, in my life where it's uh, do as I say, not as I do. Every parent has that to a certain extent. There are some basic things that we should all follow, but, you know, hey, I, I believe in this one. If I tell the kids that we're going to sit down to dinner at the table as a family, no interruptions, then that goes for me too. My wife, she says whenever we're all eating as a family, we should not pull our phones out and play on our phones and stuff. I agree with that. It's hard not to do, but I agree with it until she starts pulling her phone out. And then I'll either remind her of the rule, or I'll get out my phone and watch an episode of House or something. You've been listening to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. If you enjoy this content, be sure to follow my podcast. I upload new episodes at least three times a week.